0: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash people today.
1: Hello and welcome to the School for Dumb Women, the podcast where we investigate the things you're too proud to admit you know nothing about. This episode is recorded remotely due to a global crisis we will try our best not to mention too much. I'm your host, woman, won't invite you to her secret bunker, Hannah Varrell. With me is anxious poor Alexandra Haddo. I was bulk buying toilet roll before it was cool, Hannah. And constantly mutating, Caroline O'Donoghue.
2: I've gone from my dog is a pain to hire my dog for £40 an hour in just two days. Honestly, my wages are great.
1: (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about how Pantone gets to decide what colours are, why Mel Gibson has such a bad Scottish accent, and candy desks, which I still don't understand what they are.
2: Let's go! (laughs) Oh, you're gonna, Hannah, you're gonna... what the hell it's a wild ride are you eating candy
3: desks in the apocalypse
2: <laughs> shall we just crack on with candy desks while we're here yeah. while we're all suitably suitably massively fucking confused let's yeah. get on with candy desks please so um so uh, you guys have been alive in the last few weeks am I right oh, I uh, think so Yeah, I believe so yeah we've all been noticing you know what What a, what a beautiful spring we're having we generally uh, are which is annoying <laughs> You know, all that. And um, during all of this beautiful spring, um, I've noticed uh, how much more my dependency for um, psychological sort of soothing has, has to come now from... Uh, nightly broadcasts from politicians, <laughs> which is a bad call, right? So, like, I'm fucking, right. tu- I'm tuning in every evening at six thirty or eight thirty for Boris's unexplained midnight shift last night. There's
3: um, <laughs> late night announcing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Boris at night. <laughs> His desk
0: is much called. higher up now. <laughs>
2: Have you sorry, total aside. Have you noticed that like uh when he's at his podium at night his hair is a bit flattened down. Is like, it? You know, yes. They've, <laughs> they've wetted his hair down like when Hugh Hefner used to host his parties in the 60s just like yeah around.
3: You know it's getting serious when he's got a short back and sides. That's yeah. Right? <laughs> um
2: so like I I I'm always one of those people who like I would much rather be a worthless peon who is safe and is like, oh, um, the people in charge know what they're doing. Um, rather than be one of those people who's like, blah, blah, blah. You know, the stats show that politicians are fucking us all over. I like as
3: soon as this like kind of pandemic be Oh my began, god, we used to talk about this, Caroline, and now it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> <Did> we? <laughs> How we would just sit back and be like, Yeah, whatever, I'll do whatever it takes.
2: <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is I've been blindly following uh, the Prime Minister. And listening to it like a like a tiny, tiny anxious dog. <laughs> what doesn't help is finding out how um disgustingly human they are. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. It's not good. I would rather them not be. I would rather them just be like the like cool, shiny, authoritative daddies who just are gonna take me to the zoo. Buy me peanuts and then get me home. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, I remember
1: when I first entered the workforce and realised that people who have jobs still are not good at them.
2: Oh my, yeah. Hannah, there's
1: no need to drag me
0: on our own podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: no, oh my god. It like
1: changed my whole view of society because I was like, oh, well, surely if you get a job in a thing, then you're going to be good at that thing. And like absolutely not. Sorry Alex. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry Alex.
3: <laughs> That's absolutely fine.
2: Um so w- one of these moments in finding out how disgustingly horribly like corporeal these people are was I was scrolling through Twitter today at uh, the anxiety hole as you all know it. Mm-hmm. And um ah yes. I came across this tweet from uh, at Miles Klee. Sure. And and the tweet says, another senator has tested positive for COVID-19. Just hours ago, they were eating from the big trough of jelly beans that feeds the entire Congress. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's an hilarious tweet.
3: (laughs)
1: What? The big trough of jelly beans?
2: The big trough of jelly beans that feeds the entire Congress. Imagine my shock and disgrace <laughs> when I found out that this tweet was not a joke, but a fact. <laughs> I mean, there is a big trough of jelly beans that feeds the entire Congress in America. Would you incredible. like to know more about it?
3: <laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> yes, please.
2: Right, lads. Okay. So, you know, we're all, we're all vaguely familiar with the Senate. We've seen it on TV. It's a big semicircular room where... Oh,
3: I hate that show, yeah. but
2: yeah. <laughs> Rubbish. Yeah. Absolutely Bloring. rubbish TV show. <laughs> and like, I know um, we've sort of been programmed over the last, um, our entire lives to see the American presidency as kind of a joke. But, you know, when you see the Senate, you're at least like, that's the serious room. Yeah, that's where, that's the real where shit are. gets going.
3: Mm-hmm. That's where somebody
2: has a clue, surely. Somebody has a clue. Well, since 1968, there has been a candy desk in the American Senate. Right. Which began. When this uh, Pennsylvania senator called George Murphy, who for some reason, and we talk about like celebrities, like becoming, getting into office, like fucking Trump or Arnold Schwarzenegger. This guy, George Murphy was just this camp Broadway dancer who had become a Republican (laughs) senator halfway through his career. And like he had, he had a sweet tooth. So he just started filling his desk with candy. Right. (laughs) Right. Just hard wrapped candies. (laughs) got it. I'm with you. Got it. At some point in 1968, George Murphy's um desk was swapped or whatever. I guess they came back from term and they all moved desks. And um he was na- he was now near like one of the exits. So people saw him with the candy in his drawer and was like give us your sweets, Murphy.
3: <laughs> what the Christ?
2: And so he started just fucking filling up his desk with like loose hard candies and it became the candy drawer and it became like this thing where like everyone would just i don't know grab loose candies from it and it has remained there every day since 1968 that's
1: extraordinary do you think some of the sweets <laughs> in there have been some of the rubbish ones have been in there since the 60s
2: as well and <laughs> yeah, there's probably like sweets with like traces of cocaine in them yeah. when it was still legal to just put that in things yeah yeah um and so, like, the so obviously, like, it's changed hands a lot over the years, the, the possession of the candy desk. And, like, we didn't even really know about it until somebody, some journalist referred to it in the 80s. And everyone was like, what? So, like, up until the 80s, it was hard candies until some guy called Steve Sims started saying it's a fine assortment of sweets. It's not hard candies."
1: Sweets is quite a British term, though, isn't it?
2: I thought it was weird too, yeah. And then um, Rick Santorum, who you, you might remember as being... He like, sounds
3: like he's Troy McClure.
2: It's always one of these things. Why are Republican senators always called it insane things?
3: Yeah. Like Mitt Romney. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Neither of well, those are that? names or indeed words.
2: <laughs> it's like hitting randomize on a sim, isn't it? It's just like yeah.
3: c- it's just syllables noises. that we
2: recognise. <laughs> In, in, a, in arrangements we don't recognize um so Rick Santorum he came in and he started like getting the Hershey company to send him like Hershey's kisses and stuff because he was apparently too fucking cheap to buy his own sweets I was gonna drawer. say
1: was the person that owned the desk always responsible for the, the financial aspect of maintaining this trough of sweets
2: well yes, up up until Santorum fucked it and like he was like he just started writing to the Hershey company being like, send us some stuff. And then they like then they had to have this whole rule in because it's not like that's technically accepting a gift of more than like a wow, hundred dollars yeah. or whatever. So then Hershey's had to stop. Also Hershey's is vile. Yes. Disgusting. Like it really makes sense that America is the way it is if that's what that's their standard for chocolate, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's horrible. Someone send them some dairy
2: milk in an emergency package.
3: Yeah, it'll blow their fucking minds.
2: <laughs> Did you guys like have that moment when you were a kid of like someone someone going to like an American to america coming back with sweets and being like oh my god this is gonna blow my mind i've seen this on like halloween episodes of two of a kind and now i'm gonna like go in crazy and then being like oh this is not good yeah because
1: hershey's Uh, like genuinely tastes like sick and i'm i'm sure we've talked about it on the podcast before but it has like an element in it that is the same element as you
3: find in vomit Ew why i literally was about to say it's toilet chocolate but that is in fact true because you do also <laughs> vomit into a toilet
1: yeah if you're lucky if you're lucky
3: yeah. <laughs> if you're one of the lucky ones
2: <laughs> so an even grosser thing i found out so i so the um the candy desk it it came to sort of um more publication more recently it's kind of been this like foible we heard about for a while and like it would it pops up every now and then as being like, oh, a fun fact. And also, there's like a rival candy desk that was set up in the 80s by the Democrats. Wow. But like everything the Democrats do, it was just kind of like nobody cared and they moved on. Because
3: um. <laughs> the sweets were like simultaneously funding like healthcare or something. And they're like, no, fuck your shit sweets.
2: trying to help people. <laughs> I bet you the Democrats have like barley sugars that you get at the pharmacy or something yeah. they're yeah, really glamorous sweet,
3: like
1: no palm oil, all vegan, yeah. kind of. Which obviously are all commendable things, but I'm sorry, they don't, they haven't made as <laughs> much effort to taste as good yet.
2: Yeah, I, I love how you're policing your tone for a, a candy door <laughs> set <laughs> up by Democrats that you will never see or eat from. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't be too careful, Caroline. <laughs> you can't be too careful. Um, so the Candy Desk was one of these kind of foibles that people knew about and would occasionally crop up in the media as a kind of like fun fact. But everyone had sort of forgotten about it until very, very recently when um, the impeachment trial happened. Remember that?
1: Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the impeachment that didn't happen, but it nearly did. I think, I know, shock. He got away with it. Yeah, It. it got rejected by the... Senate? Is that right? Do you know yeah. what,
2: lads? you could literally put a gun to my head and I couldn't tell you what happened there. <laughs> but the good thing about that is um, all of our minor political worries of yesteryear have been swiped away for the main worry of whether or not we're going to die of flu. That's so um, <laughs> so that's really handy for us lesser informed people. Um, but yeah, yeah, it came up in that because obviously all the senators were stuck in this room for hours and hours and hours. It was a really, really lengthy process. And the mm. candy drawer got an absolute roller. Because you're not allowed to bring food into the Senate. Oh, you can only eat the food that's already there, and the only food that's there are sweets. You can't have tea or coffee. The only liquids that are allowed in the U.S. Senate is water and milk. What?
3: Ooh. It's basically school.
2: It's basically school. It's a child's treehouse of a country. Um. So, like, I, I like. I'm also like. Okay, so is there, are there mini fridges? Like, where's the milk staying cold? Are they literally having, like, room temperature milk and, like, decades-old sweets? It's, it's a disgusting image. And, and, I, and I, I found this a little bit in a New York Times article, and it made might be disgusting. Um, so, uh, Senator Bill Cassidy, Republican of Louisiana, caught the attention of Roll Call, um, which wrote on Tuesday that he munched away on a candy bar during the impeachment with no attempt to hide his forbidden treat The metallic wrapper glistened each time he raised the bar to his mouth while he took notes with his other hands. He ate fallen bits off his desk by pressing (laughs) them into his finger and licking his finger. (laughs) While the fucking Trump is being impeached, it's the most disgusting image I've
3: ever heard. Honest to God, this is a country where, like, if you break your toe, you might die because you can't afford. Like, <laughs> and then they're like, "God forbid we bring any other food into the Senate of Doom."
2: Oh, oh, it's so it's so distressing on like a number of levels, and like, um, that's kind of that's basically candy drawers. But once you know, once I got there, I I went down this rabbit hole of like weird traditions in the White House. Um, so like. We all remember President John F. Kennedy, the famously one of the two cool presidents that America has had. <laughs> um, he used to have like huge quantities of fags just lying around Air Force
3: One, just boxes and boxes of cigarettes. Oh, nice. That was the '60s, wasn't the it? The '60s, I know. Um, <laughs> do you know that reminds me of? Do you know one of the Olsons is married to like the ex president? Oh, of Sarkozy's France, brother. Sarkozy's yes, brother, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, like he's a giant and she's two for eight yeah um, apparently uh and obviously he's French and they love smoking apparently at their wedding they had these incredibly gauche like giant buckets of like free fags lying around <laughs> that
2: sounds like the best wedding <laughs> ever and
3: the, and the wedding was like obviously really lavish and really you know was, they'd spent thousands and thousands and thousands and then like there was just these buckets of fags for everyone <laughs> I think wow. I think
2: that's absolutely class because the thing about a wedding is there's always, like, basically there's only like two smokers per hundred people left anyway. Yeah, yeah. But like at a wedding, everybody wants a fag. Everybody true, wants yeah. to be outside yeah. with a smoker. So like it, you're really alleviating the smokers in your life from having yeah. to be, yeah. But anyway, so um, John Kennedy had cigarettes everywhere, but Ronald Reagan, he was like trying to do this health thing. So he took out the cigarettes and he replaced them with like bowls and bowls of jelly beans everywhere. <laughs> and then after a while he tried to like he made m&ms the like official suite of the white house and ever since then branded m&ms have existed all over the white house
3: what what's it with like the white house on it
2: yeah like i'm looking at a picture of them right now and it's like the yellow m&m with an american flag look you know that, that that weird expression the yellow m&m has like like he he always looks like he just has come you know yes <laughs> you know his half closed like docile eyes like he's just yes. absolutely blown a load like he's he's just him on the cover of a box with the american flag and it's covered in stars and stripes it's very weird to look at what the fuck
3: why 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 <laughs> why why must um, the americans brand everything with their own horrible images
2: <laughs> no, no they're horrible paraphernalia but do you know what art we have a version of this too do you want to know what it
3: is oh okay
2: oh go on yeah. okay
3: just in the interest of balance i will also slag off our own government
2: to be fair ours is okay ours is slightly but not much cooler and extremely british tell me what it is oh i
1: know this brown sauce
2: no that was another episode hannah peanuts peanuts
3: or pints
2: or guinness or something no it's a parliamentary snuff box oh oh for tobacco yeah 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 the parliamentary snuff box is a wooden snuff box at the door of the house of commons uh, where snuff is stored by you use of the members of parliament it originated after 1694 when smoking was banned in the house of commons so it's just been there ever since do you think people use it still have you ever actually had snuff yes it's horrible it's weird yeah what is it it's like kind of a menthol tobacco thing that you, you just, just like... You just
1: sniff it up your nose. Yeah, you snort
2: it. Ew. Oh. It, it, it's a little bit like taking like really bad cocaine. Like, oh, do you remember, do you remember MCAT? Yes. It's a bit, it feels like that. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It's <laughs> a bit mintier. You get like a slight buzz off it.
1: And then you blow your nose in the morning and you're like, good God, what is that?
2: Yeah, it's mad. It was just like the official hobby of like old weird men for hundreds of years.
3: I am think I'm going to get into snuff. Get into snuff? Sure. But you've got Why all the time not? in the world you know? right now. Yeah. Try yeah. new stuff. Try new things, you know? That's what I'm saying. New and your horizons. Exactly. So, lads, that's that's pretty much candy desks. And, I love uh,
1: that.
2: I, thank you. I was fascinated by it, too. I'm so glad that you were as into people keeping loose sweets in
3: drawers as I am. That is, yeah, <laughs> just uh, incredible.
2: <laughs> and fuck it. I guess they all have coronavirus now from their loose sweets. Of course. Oh,
3: well, I bet Trump doesn't like jelly beans or something, so he's immune. No, I bet he loves, like, that's such a thing he'd be into. Yeah, because I just love, I just really want him to get it because um, he doesn't drink. So the irony of him being struck down by something called Corona is just like, mm, delicious. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so weird that he doesn't drink,
2: isn't it? I always am
3: struck really by that weird. fact. It
1: doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Because I feel like, wow, up.
3: you're doing all this sober, man. You haven't even blacked out. You know I, I mean? know. mean, pretend like you haven't done it. He he's so like
2: um for somebody who's like wants to be known for his womanizing, he's so like uncensory a person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you can't he's imagine like enjoying a good meal yeah. or enjoying a nice pint or enjoying a nice woman. Pussy, you know.
3: <laughs> Pussy.
2: Yeah,
3: he grabs it sure, but he doesn't know what to do with it once he, he's got it. Not a clue, <laughs> like a dog with a handbag. <laughs>
1: We now interrupt with an important announcement about the Women Who Code Mixer. Guys, I've just had an email from the Women Who Code Mixer. Yeah, sure. And it says that the Women Who Code Mixer has been postponed due to the coronavirus. We will still run it at a later date. And then it says it has a little smiley face. And I think in the FAQs, it just, it just says you can't get a refund.
2: Oh. oh, Those are
1: expensive tickets.
2: Okay, well, guys, just like, hang on to your tickets and uh, we'll maybe do it if we don't die.
1: Yeah, but otherwise we've, we've got
3: your money. Yes. If you do die. The thing is, I would have thought that the volume of white wine consumed at the Women Who Code Mixers actually would count as alcohol gel.
1: <laughs> no, it's all been sent to the NHS now.
3: Oh, I see. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah for I I've been sending the NHS white wine as well. I hope you all have at home. A nice Chilean Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> oh, that's what the doctors need. <laughs> Stay safe. <laughs> so, Hannah, you're telling us about a colourful shampoo for this episode. Is that right? Yeah, I remember shampoo. Oh, yeah, back when we all used to wash our hair like every other day. Now I just use it as, yeah, lube, I think it's now <laughs>
1: um yeah Pantone so I decided to do Pantone to look into it because um at the end of February I stayed at a hotel unthinkable
2: oh my in god in Brussels
1: <laughs> unthinkable
2: a hotel selfish and irresponsible <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> so you went to a building where up to 600 people already were and where right. people had previously slept I
1: apparently so I mean, it feels like it's almost a blackout in my mind. It just, it just feels like a different lifetime. But yes, I went on holiday to Belgium before everything went to shit, and stayed at the Pantone Hotel. And yes, Pantone, as in those colour swatches. Um, so you guys know what I'm talking about when I say Pantone.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Colour of the year, once a year, and then we never hear from them
2: again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're they're quite like a, um, a hipster Christmas gift, aren't they? that's the, like a Pantone exactly. mug. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. They've
1: got so much merch. They've got like mugs, notebooks, vases, water bottles, um, and and a hotel, a casual hotel thrown in there. Why does um, every
3: cool brand have a hotel now? Very
1: weird. Yeah, I know it doesn't make any sense. And and basically, the only thing that's Pantone about it is it just has colours everywhere. So each and each room has a different color theme, and we were in the cheapest room. So can you guess what color that was?
2: Brown. Brown. Oh Oh my god. (laughs) Brown. That's incredible. Brown. Yeah. A certain shade of brown or just brown?
1: It was like a Pantone shade of brown, but it wasn't a special looking brown. It wasn't a golden brown. It was like a kind of you know. Dog shit, brown. Oh no, um, that's that, so that really said Yeah, you That's paying, so shaming. Like, Thirty a night to stay here, and we want you to remember that
2: the poo room, <laughs> the poo room, the p- the beautiful simplicity of the joke, the poo room. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poods is a funny word.
1: So, yeah, obviously that I was just wondering how how did we get here? How did pantode get here? What's what's <laughs> happening? Um, so I looked a little bit into the company um, and the way that it was founded was actually. I mean, normally I might kind of skip over this bit, but it was actually quite interesting because um, it was founded as a printing company in the fifties by these two brothers who were advertising executives, and then in 1956 they hired this guy called Lawrence Herbert as a part-time employee and he Mm -hmm. had just graduated uni with a um, degree in biology and chemistry and then he'd gone to fight in korea remember the u.s had like was involved in the war in korea
2: yeah wow
1: that one actually don draper fought in korea
2: oh yeah and then like his original identity died in korea and then he adopted don draper right
3: yeah
2: sorry madman spoilers
3: all i'm thinking about (laughs) is how i really love korean chicken and now i really want some.
2: (laughs) They're Uh, the best at it. I don't know how they get it so right. They really are.
1: Yeah. So this guy, Lawrence, yeah, he came back from Korea and he wanted to be a doctor. So he was like applying to medical school and stuff. And in the meantime, just decided to get this job at this printing company. And then he got really, really into it because he'd done chemistry. And so he was like, he quite enjoyed all the stuff with the ink. And he essentially took charge of the ink and printing part of it uh, and completely turned it around, and he made that section of the company profitable while the rest of it was like 50 grand in debt.
2: Wow. Um,
1: and then he bought this off them. He bought the company off these brothers <gasps> and renamed it Pantone.
2: What a slick operator. I know. God. He runs collars like Koreans run chicken.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was, a, that was a turnaround for the books. Obviously, he then gave up his, his dreams to be a doctor and was like, no, I'm into, really into colours now. Um, so that's one less doctor for the US uh,
3: right now. <laughs> It's a shame because they really need those. Yeah. A little bit. No, it's all right. 2021 will be the great colour wars. And then he'll really come into his own. <laughs>
1: Um so he invented the Pantone matching system, which is like all the all the swatches of colours. So you have like the colour, and then underneath it you have like a white band with a kind of you know uh, mesmerizing brown. Three, six, nine or whatever it says. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of those, those chips is what they're called is that they standardize, they allow you to standardize color. So if you have like, a label for your box of cereal, and you send it to be printed at two different printers, and one prints the color less bright than another, if they both end up in the same shop, the customers might think that one of them is like less fresh or isn't as good. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Which which was because I was kind of thinking the whole time, like, does it really matter that much if like the color's are a little bit off but in yeah for stuff like that it it does and i guess also like brands and colors are so connected as well like coca-cola mm. if it was a darker red you'd be like what the fuck
3: yeah it's so true yeah yeah you're right because you'd be like this is a new flavor it's a yeah. cherry one yeah, yeah
1: they're bringing cherry back yeah <laughs> god cherry coke is horrible isn't it
2: oh i'm a big fan I of like cherry like coke it. yeah
1: yeah oh you guys are monsters I also
2: don't mind a vanilla Coke because it tastes a bit like drinking a candle.
3: (laughs) It does. Yeah, I don't like vanilla Coke, but that is exactly it. And I've always wondered what the taste was.
2: It's like a real Yankee candle, like a real (laughs) downstairs loo Yankee
3: candle.
1: Yeah, downstairs loo where it belongs, in the poo room.
3: (laughs) In the poo room. room. (laughs) I leave your poo room.
1: I'm joking, the downstairs toilet in my parents' house actually is always really cold because the window's open, so you never poo in there.
2: Oh, yeah, I've definitely made a lot of Arctic poo rooms.
3: <laughs> also, when you go to a pub, the, the toilet is either so, so warm or so cold. Oh, my God. So cold? Like igloo. It's always fucking freezing or it's like on the boiler. You're putting on the boiler. <laughs> it's
2: so true. I would take a cold poo seat over a warm poo seat recently.
1: Oh yeah, well cause warm means that someone else might have been on it.
2: That's the thing, yeah. Oh.
1: Um where were we?
2: Carry on. <laughs> Pantone. Um it's good to know that we can
1: still go on huge tangents even when we're not we can't actually see each other.
3: I know, it's nice. Do you know what I would sometimes think of? What? <laughs> This is only a 10 second tangent, but you know, if like you sleep with someone after you've like been in a pub, which is, you know, frequent. Um, <laughs> frequent for some. <laughs> what if they, you know, if they like, if, if they put your, their face in your bum or like kiss the back of your thighs, it's like, you're kissing the loose seat. And that oh. po- that,
1: pop- oh, that pops wow. into my
3: head quite a lot.
1: Wow. Oh, yeah. I'm
3: not going to
2: be able to not think of that now.
3: I know. So God. never, never kiss a boy's bum is what I'm trying to say.
2: Never kiss a boy's bum. <laughs>
3: come on Alex you've eaten an ass in your life haven't you yeah I know but then I think of that and then halfway through with it well then then I think you know I can't stop now it's impolite (laughs) well I'm in it now but I'm thinking of the (laughs) loo (laughs) seat anyway sorry Alex carry on um
1: yeah and so the whole thing about Pantone is it's just really precise about what each color is and how much of each because colors are obviously made up of like other colours um and it kind of yeah it's very precise about how much of each of them it goes in so yeah it's really clever and they have technicians that work there that have to take an eye test every year and they can differentiate colors like I saw this video on YouTube of them differentiating these colors that to to normal people would look exactly the same and this woman's like yeah you see how that one's a little bit more red it's got more red in it and the person filming is just like absolutely not no they're the same color Wow, that's so oh.
2: interesting.
1: I know. And also in this video, uh, they interviewed, yeah, they interviewed the people at the factory um, and it said you can't have caffeine on the day of your test because it affects your capillaries in your eyes.
3: What? Was that gross? Oh my God. What, so like the ability the ability to see colour? Yeah. Is that why boys are really colourblind? Do they drink more tea and coffee than others? <laughs> first of all what are both of those findings and where do they come from no men men are way more likely this is an actual fact way, men are way more likely to be colorblind than oh. women and especially men find it incre- like on the whole so much more difficult to tell the difference between green and blue think about how many times you've come downstairs in a blue dress and your dad's been like oh what a lovely green dress and then you're like <gasps>
2: oh my like, god oh yes. my god you're right my yeah. god she's got it and it's because they <laughs> and you you are right though like men do drink too much tea.
1: But isn't that also a kind of Devil Wears Prada thing of being like, oh, I'm just wearing a blue jumper and then someone comes along and is like, Oh, it's it's Cerulean. Cerulean.
2: Not Lapis. Cerulean. (laughs) But, um, yeah, they do drink too much tea. I think it's because it all comes out of Sports Direct mugs. Oh, yeah.
3: Although we have to boycott them now. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. That's another thing. That's another fun thing to put on the list. Because remember, we've all got one and an umbrella and we don't know when we got it or who brought it into our homes. Hmm. Yeah. Um... So yeah, so basically that's that's
1: how Pantone became really big in the design world by just being really good at colors.
2: But like, why why aren't why are they so it Just because graphic designers are hipsters?
3: Well, I think so. I was yeah, trying to look it's like into it's Just a simple design, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think it is just that it's a really simple design, and that they 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 do that they do that well, and then they took it and made it into like the first merch they made was the mugs in two thousand and five. And I saw an interview with someone from the company who was saying, like, they worked out that the amount of designers, like professional designers that they could sell stuff to was about seven or eight million. And then they just basically thought, how can we make more money? Who can we sell stuff to? And so they decided that instead of just selling color swatches to designers, they needed to sell merch to people who were, like, interested in design. And it just just absolutely catapulted them. Yeah. And it's it's just it's smart isn't it because everyone as well is like everyone at heart is a bit like oh I could be a designer sure like That's
2: so true.
1: Like Caroline your your boyfriend Gavin is a graphic designer. Has he got like Pantone merch?
2: No and he finds it vaguely embarrassing. Um but he's he's a little you know he's a little bit of a cool dude like he's kind of like he he kind of wants to zag when everyone's zigging and I think like at (laughs) at, at this point it is the keep calm and carry on of men yeah and tone mugs
1: yeah yeah I think that's that's just an overexposure thing isn't it I
2: I I do think that there is a thing where everyone it's become a quite cool job in the last sort of 10-15 years and I I'm often like at parties with Gavin when they like someone finds out he's a graphic designer and people start like people do kind of an armchair graphic design thing where they're like they want to have a bitch about like their least favorite fonts and their most favorite fonts and he's a bit like okay (laughs) Okay. so I imagine they're who the Pantone mugs are actually yeah
3: absolutely yeah yeah I think poor old Comic Sans taking a battering again exactly
2: (laughs) people who love people who love having a go at Comic Sans it's like look Comic Sans was invented for children's birthday parties and it serves that function well leave
3: it alone and and (laughs) mum's posting on Facebook about local community warnings
2: (laughs) Or oh yeah, or um, people trying to soften their office request to get people to wash with their own mugs. <laughs> yes. Like oh, I don't want I don't want Karen to think I'm a bitch,
3: so I'm going to put it in Comic Sans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it has the c word in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if I write it in Comic Sans, it'll be fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um the other thing i found out which i thought was really odd is that the merch is really big in japan like japan spends more on the merch than it does on any other like pantone stuff i know but they're very cool aren't they in japan? i know they are um and then there's some hospitals in japan where they have like long stay patients where the nurses and doctors will wear a different color of scrubs um each day of the week so that the patients can be like oh they're in blue it must be monday oh which is kind
3: of sad and nice that's that because do you think of colors when you think of days of the week because i do really yeah like immediately like in my head every time someone says a day a color flashes up in my mind wow do you have synesthesia? uh no i think it i think a lot of people have it but mine i've realized was based on the color of the days in the radio times when i was a kid so
2: wow (laughs) that's cute that's nice
1: yeah um, I want to end with the Pantone colour of the year, which they've been doing since I think 1999, maybe 2000.
3: Yeah, because this is it. This is announced every year, like word of, uh, you know, like a word of the year, Oxford English Dictionary type thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. So every year they decide that there's one Pantone colour of the year. And it's not so much a trends forecast as like a reflection, they say, of what's taking place and so they already they name the color of the year before the year happens so the color for 2020 is classic blue which is a shade reminiscent of the sky at dusk um but this is awful okay so i read on the website um it's a color that anticipates what's going to happen next what's the future going to bring and then it's it's disease I know, I know. It's talking about how the last time a blue was chosen, it was 1999 and they were kind of talking about Y2K and like, is the world going to implode? And then it says, the Pantone Colour Institute said it recognised similar feelings of instability gripping the world today. It settled on a shade that offers the reassurance, confidence and connection that people may be searching for in an uncertain global milieu. So did, did Pantone predict coronavirus? Wow. I think it might have done.
2: 100%
3: this is
2: who did it yeah. I don't know because the if they picked blue in 1999 and like the year famous for like the big disaster that we all thought was going to happen and never actually happened like the millennium bug Yeah. like maybe maybe coronavirus is also not a big deal maybe? Uh, it's a pretty big deal so far <laughs> Pretty big deal so far, okay I'll, I'll throw that one, that vague hope out the window
3: Sorry <laughs> What do
1: you think the colour will be for next year?
3: poo again (laughs) Uh, poo brown brown. no i think it'll be i think it'll be like a peachy yellow like the sun rising again
2: oh beautiful work thank you i vote for that i wonder how hard it is to get a job at pantone do you think you have to show that you have like a very small tattoo and a subscription to monocle
3: yes (laughs) and you wear glasses without frames and like one of those
2: like what like a shibu a shibu inu dog you know yeah those, like, r- you like, only shop at dogs. muji
1: and you've thrown away all your socks and on spare room you call yourself creative oh yes. yeah a creative
2: space for you to relax in exactly
1: two <laughs> creatives looking for a third creative
3: <laughs> creative just re- re- replaced person or being alive oh it's so true
1: So, Alex, you're also taking a kind of design direction this episode by talking about
3: um, some really lovely wallpaper. Sorry. No, 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 Hannah. My my section is on William Wallace, not William Morris. Although the 13th century pioneer for Scottish independence was known to be great with interiors. So, you know, <laughs> a slight link there. Uh, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing William Wallace or Braveheart, uh, as he is more commonly known these days. Um Faced by Mel Gibson in the 1995 Oscar-winning film of the same name. Oscar-winning, was it? Yeah. Mel Gibson won Best Director for Braveheart. He directed Braveheart? He directed and starred in Braveheart because one of the things I googled today was like, why was Mel Gibson picked to play Braveheart? And it turns out if you're doing the film, you can very much cast (laughs) yourself. (laughs) He just wanted to ride horses, didn't he? I think he did, yeah. yeah. A noble goal, a noble goal. Yeah um so i think you just i think you just wanted to you know be a barbarian mm. it was nominated for 10 oscars
1: no way
3: and it won 5
1: i can i can't remember that film being that good i'm going to have to rewatch it
3: it it i mean it was all right but it won 5 oscars
2: <laughs> wow and that was, that was before people like really cared about people being from the places they were representing
3: right yeah it it won it, yeah 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 it it won best director best picture And then the rest were all like, you know, best sound editing and, you know, best catering on set or whatever it is. Best craft services. Yeah, um, and it's it's kind of weird because it is a good story about William Wallace, which I'll go into in just a second. But it was a it's quite an obscure thing to make a film of. Like I don't know where I don't know what internet hole Mel Gibson fell down. When... Wait, wait, was was the William
2: Wallace story not like a GCSE history thing before Mel Gibson put it to film? Well. I never learnt about
1: it. I never learnt about it apart from, yeah, apart from from oh. the film and also when I went to Scotland a few years ago and I think we were sort of near the area where it all happened and there was some kind of a castle.
3: Well, when I was two, I was reading about it, basically, um, William Wallace, I mean, it was it was a lot earlier than I thought as well. I mean, he was born in 1270. In my head, I was like... Probably like 1680. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like seriously, <laughs> if someone asked me, I would have been like, I don't
2: know, yeah, like Henry VIII time, maybe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: All our Scottish listeners are going to be absolutely appalled by this. Maybe they should just fast forward 10 minutes.
3: It's fine. I'm I'm the biggest shame of us all because my dad and the rest of my family are Scottish and oh, I, should uh, I should know this. I probably should know it. Um, and I even do a bit in my set about, you know, me saying to my dad, I just want my freedom. Uh,
2: but, uh, In general but, though, any kind of like um UK and Irish history that's like post the Celts and like the Normans and the Saxons, but pre Henry the Eighth, I'm just like question mark.
3: You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> so I was I was reading about him today. Essentially I'm gonna sort of really summarise it, but then just mm-hmm. pick out a few a few of the more interesting points. So basically, right. So when uh William Wallace was kind of growing up king alexander the third was the ruler of scotland okay and everything was dandy and then of course when william wallace was 16 in 1286 king alexander died do you want to know how how does every king die if it's not in battle back in the day dysentery poisoning nope he fell off a horse oh Oh, what i mean what what a way to go after after
2: everything Um, off just yeah, yeah just, um that thing where like if you ever go to a riding stable and like the the fucking the horse blows out its belly when you put the saddle yeah. on so then you
3: climb on <laughs> and it just slides <laughs> off <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically that so basically the king died because he fell off his horse also while <laughs> I was reading about all of this right I was thinking especially in these times when you know everything we're learning about at the moment is like it's a national broadcast about everything or you're going on twitter and you're finding everything out or like messages of hope and support and community are spreading via instagram god knows what platforms etc i was like there must have been people where all this was like william wallace was doing all of this for scottish independence and like people probably 10 miles away probably didn't even know the king had died (laughs) do you know what (laughs) i mean i know i always (laughs) think about that (laughs) he's like really going for it and fair play you know he's fighting for the independence of his country but 80% Eighty percent of his country probably, absolutely, none the wiser. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like they must have, they must have had like a some kind of messenger
1: system, though. Like, like they send a bunch of people out on horses, and they have to disperse the information to this town, and then I don't yeah, know, I guess
3: so. But I mean, it, they have? There'd be someone in the north doing the same and go, doing a completely opposite message, fake news. Do you know what I mean? It would be so easy. <laughs> uh, all you need is a horse. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the king dies. Is what I'm trying to say uh classic start to any film sorry real life whatever uh king dies and then the heir to the throne it doesn't say what happened to his daughter or son but the heir to the throne was his granddaughter who was called margaret and she was a child who was at the time living in norway don't ask i
2: don't know what's
3: going on what in the fuck was she doing out
2: there (laughs) erasmus
3: shipped his heir out to norway anyway she was a kid and in Norway. But then they were like, right, well, we've got to ship her back. The Scottish kind of parliament of the time were like, right, we'll take over for a couple of years. A bit like Oliver Cromwell, you know, um, mm. just while while Margaret grows up a bit. Then they shipped her back four years later. She died on the way. No! So <laughs> that was her gone. And then obviously uh, Scotland was about to go into civil war. With the English? Uh, no, but like with each other because there was no real sort of ruler. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so I see, different- yeah. Yeah, there was different clans and stuff like that. Um, so obviously, King Edward of England was invited in by Scottish nobility to arbitrate. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I know the Scots hate the English and they should, uh, because I want to say we, but my ancestors are Scottish. Like, they basically did very bad. The English are always bad. Any Any story, the English are bad. We went and killed loads of people in Scotland and it was horrible. But in the first instance, the Scots did invite him in. Um, that's so weird, like as like an ombudsman. Yeah, yeah, kind of like an adjudicator. Like, oh, I I know who will uh, who will do this fairly. The guy from a slightly bigger country that's next door and borders us. <laughs> like, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so um, strange. Yeah, very strange. Uh, so obviously, all the shit kicked off uh, after that because King Edward was then like, well, we own you. <laughs> mm. uh, but then a year later. Guess who starts coming to power? It's William Wallace, guys. It's William Wallace. I was waiting for him to show up. Who at the time? Because you, you know, you've got uh, you've got Mel Gibson in your head, haven't you? Yes, I do. He was twenty-seven. The actual one, William Wallace, He probably had like three grandkids at that point, though, didn't he? I know.
2: <laughs> I mean, he was twenty-seven in like what,
3: twelve, ten, or something? Whatever the fuck, twelve ninety-seven, and he's twenty-seven, and um, in a in a sort of cool sort of vengeance way and his his father was slain by the English in a skirmish skirmish. with English troops in 1286 so basically so yeah so when the king died there was a bit of a there was a bit of a kerfuffle as I believe they call it some some minor fighting and his dad was killed by the English so he was ruminating for 10 years ready
1: wow gathering up the strength to go and knock someone
3: about Go and fuck shit up, basically, yeah. So then he, he then William Wallace started to go completely mad, basically, and had and had some success. Hence him being known even today. Um, and he, the, his big his big first his big first sort of outing was uh, he rebelled against Edward I by killing the High Sheriff of Lanark. Uh, so basically, it's people like that Sheriff uh, used like, to be a thing. Yeah, I know no. in the,
1: in the UK, and it wasn't a fox. <laughs>
3: I'm afraid it wasn't a fox, although there is a picture here of Edward the and he is actually a babe. Really, he looks like a sort of sexy Sean Walsh, the comedian. Oh, I could, I could slice out some of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could, you could definitely take a bit of that. Yeah, um, and then, he, then, basically, then he, then he also beat the English at the Battle of Stirling Bridge, uh, and it was all going really well.
1: So did he have, he must have had like his own army or his own group of...
3: Yeah, so he was kind of, he was gathering support basically because people were like, oh, the English are try to rule us and that take over even yeah. though we invited them in. Um, and then he was sort of, he, then William Wallace was like, no, hang on, why should we give our stuff to them? I think it was vastly more complex than that. I, I'm still confused about it. So like they
2: asked the English to come in and adjudicate a, a like transfer of power. A successor, yes. Yeah, because of... Your one being in Norway. And yes, and dying on the way. <laughs> and dying on the way, classic. And then yeah. the English were like, well, we're here already. We're very good at paperwork. We'll just <laughs> stay. And also, you'll be our inferiors
3: forever. And they were like, hang on. Yes. And then I think they began killing anyone that said no, basically. Right. So, naughty English. Mm, well, um, look, I mean, if you invite a snake to tea, like, you I can't know, get that's at the it it thing. like you, you know? I was all ready to, like, you know, slag off the English and be aligned to my ancestors, and then it was like, you invited him in? Oh, come on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Have they not seen any films? The English are always the bad guys. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I should have known that.
3: Yeah, so essentially uh, then people, Wallace started gathering supporters who were like, yeah, of course we should uninvite him, very much so, from tea. (laughs) (laughs) Uninvite the snake from tea.
1: Firmly uninvite him.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And he was only actually... Uh, from from when he started his rebellion back in the day, I think this is quite long for like late 12th century, he managed to evade the English for eight years. Considering there was probably about one man and his dog in Scotland at the time. <laughs> and he was making quite the uh, quite the scene.
2: See, I, I always think of stuff like this, where especially when you think when you talk about like jack the ripper and stuff and it's like oh he's the killer that went evaded for years and like we never got to find out who he was it's like
1: yeah because they didn't have photography or like fingerprinting
3: yeah there's no photography no dna testing oh yeah these days he'd be caught red-handed just just jumped out a window done yeah
1: he'd have his gps on by accident
2: these days
3: (laughs) totally yeah yeah exactly
2: I have um, no sympathy for any murderers who got caught before 1950. Do you know what I mean?
3: You should agreed. be able to get away with this. Yes, <laughs> you, you're you're a complete idiot if you were caught before yeah. then.
2: Now, now, getting away with murder is absolute like hard mode. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. everything you do leaves a blueprint everywhere, and it's just you know, it's too hard. That's why that's why no one murders anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Speaking. Speaking of hard, I'm about to get you extremely aroused. Um, oh,
2: love it! I'm already completely nude. So because
3: I mean, I actually
2: <laughs> am. I'm actually nude from the waist down. <laughs>
3: from the waist down. I know. I'm such a pervert. Why from the waist out? Have you had some have you had some afternoon delight? No, I just um I was
2: just get you know, when you're working from home all day and your crotch feels a bit cramped, so you shed off layers.
3: Yeah, fair play. And so I'm just I'm just kicking my legs like Mr. Burns on the phone on my bed. <laughs> Stop <doing> my <laughs> it's quarantine for society, but it's yeah. the opposite for you.
2: Uh, exactly. I'm airing it out. Anyway, go on, please.
3: no not at all um so basically he eventually so for eight years he's getting this he's um sort of leading this uprising they're starting to beat the english at battles obviously the english are shiting themselves and then on the 5th of august in 1305 so they've had the millennium book for that year a scottish knight who was secretly loyal to edward turned william wallace over to english soldiers oh Tricks. so he had his very own judas basically oh,
2: no. Judas, Judas. Yes.
3: basically I think the reason that William Wallace is is uh became a name and was sort of seen as a hero was because even when he was caught uh and this is what's going to make you wet for him even when he was caught it so he was, t- he was taken to Westminster Hall he was tried for treason and atrocities against civilian in war sparing neither age nor sex monk nor nun so basically William Wallace killed everyone he didn't give a killed
1: shit killed indiscriminately
3: yeah he was a killing machine that's not very horny wait that's not the horny bit okay um but then when they said uh you know that we william wallace we charge you with treason how do you respond he said i could not be a traitor to edward for i was never his subject oh very good and then they killed him yeah that is quite horny that's horny, isn't it yeah i mean Um, But did you know that he was hung, drawn and quartered?
2: Oh, it sounds sounds right. I've definitely heard that phrase before.
3: (laughs) It's honestly the most, I mean, you say the phrase and you sort of think about it, but it is the most, the maddest shit. Again, remember, there's no news service, there's no photography, nothing. So it seems extremely like weird. You're so right. Yeah. To go to this length, to, to sort of make an example of him, basically, like, don't stand up to us. A real you know, day's he, work, you know? Yeah, like, taken to the Tower of London, stripped naked, dragged through the city at the heels of, of a horse, hung, drawn, and quartered. So he was hung, but then, he, he was hung, ladies. Uh, but then <laughs> while, while he was still alive, he had his balls chopped off and his bowels taken out and burned before him then beheaded oh. then cut into four parts then they dipped his head in tar and put it on a pike on london bridge
1: wow yeah. why
3: were they 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 really loved torture in
2: the past in a way that's never properly explained do
1: you think no because like caroline you were saying like oh they didn't have like photography or anything so why bother doing that do you think it's almost that having like a horrible description of something that happens to someone is more impactful than saying like yeah we just killed them yeah
3: maybe it's like word of mouth yeah Yeah. you're i think you're
2: totally right actually i think that must be the purpose of it
1: because they didn't have like a photo of someone hanging to be like yeah yeah. so instead they'll be like well we ripped his guts out and
3: that that that
1: really makes you kind of cringe yeah
3: it makes you really think twice I bet, you know, I bet the locals in, you know, Tower Bridge and London Bridge were like, oh, Jesus, have you seen your man there? Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And at what point um, did he turn into Mel Gibson? And Um, also, to what extent is Mel Gibson bad? He's quite bad, isn't he?
3: He's extremely bad, yeah. Oh, Mel Gibson is bad because he did fight for Scottish independence on screen, but now he has turned his efforts to (laughs) anti-Semitism. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. Um, but also, can I just say that the producer Turns of, his efforts, <laughs> the, produ- the producer of of um, Braveheart was called Alan Ladd, which is just my favourite name ever. Nice.
2: Yeah, Alan yeah. Ladd. He's um, he's like a guy, right? He was like a famous movie star. Alan. He, he, yeah, my dad is like obsessed with Alan Ladd. Oh, he's a so so, Alan,
3: the Alan, the Alan Ladd I'm talking about was mean just industry- was an industry exec and producer but he is the son of the actor alan ladd who i'm I'm assuming you're talking about yes yes he was and the star
2: of the movie shane which my brother was named after wow there you go a nice connection
3: yes he was he starred particularly in westerns such as shane 1953 and in film noir yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically Alan Ladd's son, also named Alan Ladd, uh was the producer of Braveheart. Oh wow. What a good so thing There you go. I can't wait to kiss my dad that. I just also can't believe how well Braveheart did at the cinema. Like <laughs> it was a simpler time. You
1: know? I'm gonna have to rewatch it like tonight. Got time on my hands.
3: Do you know the link to me deciding to do this today was hearing Nicholas Sturgeon give a rousing speech?
2: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> They are good at it. Like she's so
3: and I, good. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I wonder I can't do Nicholas Sturgeon. But then I was like, hang on, William Wallace. She is the modern day William Wallace. So ah, oh,
1: she so is. God bless yeah. Nicola Sturgeon.
3: God lover, you know. Um, and thank you, Mel Gibson, for your efforts in previous life to uh, show freedom fighters uh, before you became. Yeah, I mean. Your cells replace every seven years, don't they? So yes, exactly. So it wasn't really the same. It's a new Mel Gibson. It's an old Mel Gibson, you know. It wasn't the same Mel Gibson, exactly. Okay, so ladies, uh, this week we won't be doing the smart lesson because, as Britain has proved recently, we are not very smart and we don't take heed of anything. So
1: oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah maybe next week the smart lesson could be downloadable from home and could uh, really interfere with your workload while you try and uh, help your child to fill in all the quadratic equations
3: <laughs> yes exactly I've
1: been hearing a lot about how how much of a nightmare that is
3: <laughs> yeah oh gosh yes yes I've given my child away yeah and in the meantime if you need any smart
2: lessons or advice on what to do during the coronavirus just go online and literally look at absolutely anyone who seems to know <laughs> yes <what> to do. <laughs> so many people whose advice I wouldn't take over a fucking pret sandwich suddenly have the answer <laughs> to how we could get out of this and it's like mm. maybe sit down maybe
3: one of my handy tips is to uh go on to one of your mum or dad's friends on facebook and see what they've got to say
2: oh yeah moira will have the answer she knows she knows she knows thank you moira
1: So that's it for this week and our first remote recording. I feel like it was okay.
2: (laughs) It was certainly okay.
1: It certainly happened. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you can hear more by searching School for Dumb Women on your favourite podcast app. And following us on the usual social media platforms at Dumb Women Pod, you can also listen to us every other Thursday at 6 p.m. on Soho Radio. Woo! Thanks to Gavin Day for our logo, Harry Harris for our jingles, and Soho Radio Studios for helping us with the remote recording. Yes. stay safe and
2: stay dumb. Bye. Bye. Bye.